0: Welcome back to another week and another conversation about being set free in Jesus so we can live free with Jesus. Now, if you're online this morning, I want to say hi to you. So glad you're with us today that wherever you find yourself and those of you in the room, it's just a joy to worship with you every Sunday morning. Now, we are in week five of a six-week series, but as I told you from the beginning, this is more than just a series, right? This is something that's foundational, maybe DNA setting for our church as we move into the future, but what I think God wants us to care about. Because the truth of freedom cannot be talked about just in six weeks and then we move on. No, I believe this series is one where God wants to change, transforms hundreds. Maybe I've been praying for thousands of lives over the next years. So, so far we've talked about in week one about having a a mindset of freedom. And then the next week we talked about being set free to live in your true God-given identity. And then the week after that we talk about words, right? And how words give life or death. And you've experienced those. And then last week is about living a life of surrender, now before we continue to today can I start talking about last week because I hope you were here in one way or another I hope you were part of this because I thought last week was a powerful week it was incredible for me in that moment but it even got more incredible as the week went on It wasn't because I started hearing stories of people they call they text they send messages of how God moved in their lives and one of them was a A friend of mine, he called me on Monday night. He just wanted to talk about the service, and he said, Scott, you know, I've been struggling for years with forgiveness. And if you weren't here last week, that was one part of what I talked about. He said, you know, I've been struggling with forgiveness. Forgiveness in my past marriage, with extended family members. Just, it's been tough. And began to tell me how God began to work in his life Sunday morning all the way until he went to bed that night because God began to stir something when he woke up. If I could tell you the details, it was, just, it was so fun to hear these because God began to stir something in the morning about forgiveness. And then he got here to church and he said all through worship, he just began to weep. He said, I'm glad the lights were low because... It was just a really vulnerable moment for me in worship. He said, then you start speaking about a life of surrender, and you start talking about forgiveness, and God began to break those walls down of unforgiveness, and all it took was a moment of surrender. All it took was a moment of surrender in his life, giving up those things he's been holding on to from the past. And he told me, he says, Scott, God started to bring a healing into my life. And so there are so many cool details he began to tell me about the rest of the day until he went to bed that night and he said, Scott, listen to me. He said, yesterday I experienced a setting free moment in my life that changed me Forever. And to hear his emotion in his voice got me excited. Now, it got me teared up, too, because you know I'm Scott. But it mostly got me excited because it reminded me that God is still changing lives. God is still setting people free. It's amazing for me, at least even sitting in this seat, and I speak every week. But to hear the stories of how God moves and works was so exciting. And it excited me. To see that when we give God what is His and begin to live His way, things do change. And I'm excited for the future of our church and what God wants to do through us because I don't believe that God is a one-hit wonder. I don't think this is just a one-week thing or a one-person thing. I'm excited because I still think God has work to do today. I still think God has work to do tomorrow. I still think God has work to do next week. That this is what's going to happen. Which reminds me of something. Maybe you've missed or maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you haven't heard. But February 16th is going to be here soon. And there's a set-free group that's starting, that's going to be in this room so we can space accordingly. But we can dive deeper into what we've been talking about, because there's only so much I can do. And almost 60 people have signed up for this group already, and I want to invite you. Maybe God has a work to do in you, just like my friend, who talked about that healing that took place. And maybe God wants to walk you through some stuff. And so as you leave today, out in the lobby, you can sign up for that set free group, or you can grab the, your phone on the ministry hub that we always announce every week on the, on the very top of that. Just click it and say, hey, I'm gonna be, I want to be part of that, because maybe God isn't a one-hit wonder. Maybe God isn't just for my friend. No way. He wants to do something in your life as well. So I'm excited about where God has already taken us and I'm excited to where we're going, which allows us to transition into this week and transition from the idea of surrender being the vehicle that takes us to freedom to what happens once we begin to surrender our life to Jesus. And listen, sometimes I think we misunderstand What happens after we surrender our lives? As much as I talked about it last week, I need to kind of have that as a launching point because I think sometimes we misunderstand what happens after we begin to surrender. I think sometimes we believe that if I surrender something today, then tomorrow I'll never have to deal with it again. Some parts of that is true. But can I tell you something that may seem like defeating on the surface? I don't mean it to be that way. We're going to walk through this today, but it may seem defeating on the surface. But I think it's important for us to know. After the surrender, the battle isn't done. Can I tell you, it's only begun. And some of you have experienced this before, that after the surrender, the battle isn't done. It's only begun. And this is what I mean. See, when we're living in bondage and the enemy is winning in your life, you are right where the evil one wants you. Do you know that? You're not a threat and you're already living in destruction, so the spotlight isn't on you. But when you start surrendering, When you start surrendering your life to Jesus, I believe that's when we awaken the evil one and he does not want us to experience the freedom that Jesus came to give us. And so now the spotlight is on. This is the picture I want us to understand. Once again, in the beginning, it can sound defeating, but we're going to get somewhere. I want to give you a picture of what life is really like after you begin to surrender. 1 Peter 5.8 That's how Peter says, or what Peter says is going on. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert of this and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay. This is what John says in Revelation, verse 12. Therefore... Rejoice, you in heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Question, why do you think that the the evil one prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour? Why do you think the one that is against us is filled with fury? Because he hates God. And you are created in the image of God and loved by God, and so you are hated. We need to get this. Different writers throughout the New Testament make sure we understand we have an enemy, and the agenda of the enemy is your destruction. And so because of this, why I'm talking about this, Why we bring it up during a series titled Set Free is living in freedom is not a one-time decision. It's not a one-time surrender. It's a lifetime of fighting back against the evil one who has a mission, and that is to destroy you. Now, you may not have woke up this morning and had your breakfast and got dressed and come to church and ready for me to give that one to you, right? It's a little heavy, to just throw on you and say, you've got an enemy enemy looking to destroy you at every turn. I get it. But as heavy as that is, and this is, was the heaviest message of this whole series, as heavy as that is, I also have some amazingly great news. You may have an enemy, which means you have a fight on your hands, but this fight is not A fair fight. You may have a fight on your hand, but this fight is not a fair fight. This is what I mean. When you're living for Jesus, we are fighting from a position of victory, not for victory. Let me say that again. Let that soak in. When we are living for Jesus, we are fighting from a position of victory, not for victory. Let me tell you a story, maybe give you a picture of this. In 2011... My buddy Tom Scroggins and I uh, were headed to the amphitheater. He had tickets for a Deontay Wilder fight. He'd never fought in Tuscaloosa. He's from Tuscaloosa, or, or I hadn't seen him fight in Tuscaloosa. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. We got some food, we got some drinks, and we sit down. Things happen, the pre stuff and whatever, and all of a sudden, it's time for his bout, it's time for his match. They come out, and Deontay, he's tall. He's muscular, slender, powerful, quick. And then there's the other bro. I think his name's like Damon Reed. And I'm not saying he looked like me, but it wasn't a whole lot more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know you think I'm powerful, but you know, like. And the fight begins. Round one and Deontay's just toying with him. I mean, he's gotta entertain us a little bit, like somebody paid money for these tickets. You gotta. To... But then round two came. One, two. A third punch, KO, he's out. Done. Match is over. I'm not even done my hot dog yet. You know what I mean? Coming into that match, coming into that bout, Deontay's not wondering if he's going to have victory in this. He's coming from a place of victory, not for victory, because I think he's living out what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble our hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're not fighting for victory. We're already in victory when we're surrendering to Jesus. That's how Paul says it. Listen how John says it in 1 John 4. You, dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I need you to hear me this today. I need you to hear me say this today. When we accept Jesus and begin our life for Jesus, you are in for a fight. Anybody that tries to give you another message is lying to you and is kind of doing a bait and switch kind of a situation. I'm not going to try to talk you into following Jesus so that everything ends up perfect. I'm going to say the opposite. Maybe a terrible slogan I could come up with is, follow Jesus, life gets harder. I don't really mean that right but the reality is when you begin to follow Jesus you're in for a fight but I need you to know the other side of that story this is totally a home field advantage situation we can have such a confidence every day because the one that is for us has overcome the world this is the truth the one that is for us has done everything and still doing everything for us to empower us to victory. Living in freedom doesn't mean we don't ever have a fight on our hands. It just means we have the best players, the biggest muscles, the best game plan, and the refs are on our side. We can't lose this fight. So do you hear the balance in this? After surrender, the battle isn't done. It's just begun. But because of who we have, we can't lose this fight. But that's not it. There's more. And and, and, and the more is, I'll bring another picture to you, this year's National Championship football game. Now, I never talk football in here. You know why? Why? We don't need anything else to fight about in here. And the rivalries are pretty tight. Like, so I don't ever bring up football. But like this year's championship game has something really obvious in it for me. And that was Alabama wasn't going to lose. I don't know if there's Ohio State fans in here or online. Forgiveness. But like... I wasn't nervous going into this game at all. I don't know if you were. It wasn't if Alabama was going to win. It was going to be how, by how much. And here's why. Hear me on this. Alabama had the most dangerous weapon in all of college football. If you're an Alabama fan, you know this. If you're in SEC football, like Devontae Smith. He could not be stopped. And when you have the most dangerous weapon, the chances of you being defeated are not good which brings me to the next great news that i've got to tell you today god is not only for you we've already talked about it we surrender our life a fight is on our hands but god is for you not only that but he gives us every necessary weapon to fight back against the enemy there's a fight on our hands but it's not a fair fight Not only because of who's on our side, but because of the weapons he gives us to live with, which brings us to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with the, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you, have, in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you've grown up in the church or have been around, you've heard that portion of scripture before, right? You've heard this part of Paul's letter to Ephesus. You may even be able to quote this portion of Scripture. But can I say something as nice as I possibly can? Knowing Scripture doesn't mean living out Scripture. Just because someone can quote a verse or strap a bumper sticker to the back of your car doesn't mean it's real in your life. You hear me on that? You feel me on that? Don't get the two things confused. We are literally in the fight for our lives. And knowing a verse doesn't put us in the seat of victory, and sometimes I think we hide behind a m- mere knowledge, not something we live out. See, Paul, this writer of Ephesians, this wasn't something for him to just know. This was how he viewed life. And because this is how he viewed life, he invited other people to join in and view life this way. Because Paul understood something that some of us know, but maybe try to distract ourselves from, is that these words for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is another portion of Scripture Another portion of God's words for us to just where he tries to speak reality into our lives. What I think he wants us to understand is that what we think we our struggles are are not our real struggles. What we turn into battles are not our real battles the fights we get into our lives, are really the superficial things of life. Those arguments we find ourselves in are a distraction from the real battles that are going on. Do you know this is a major scheme of the enemy? To make us all settle for less, to to make us fall for lesser battles, so we don't fight the greater ones. Paul's writing to his early followers. He's writing now to you to tell you that there's a fight. There's a fight going on. We, we've covered this, right? There's a fight going on. But that fight, it's not a seen one. Yeah, you see fights, but the real fight that's going on is not a seen one. It's an unseen there's a spiritual battle that's happening right now in our lives in this room outside this room in this world and paul is trying to get a hold of those people following jesus trying to get a hold of them, to stop focusing on the lesser battles that the enemy wants us to focus on. See, the enemy wants us to focus on those sports rivalries that get us like this, right? He wants us to focus and battle those political battles every day like this, right? Right? He wants us to fight those battles in school and at work. He wants us to fight those battles that divide us as people. These are the battles that the enemy wants us to focus on because if he can get us consumed by those battles, then we won't have the energy or the care factor to battle in the real ones. So Paul, a gift from God to us, Paul, is trying to give us a bigger picture of life. Trying to push us deeper. And in Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's laying out for us, you got some choices to make. Two choices, really. And the first choice is, which battles are you going to choose to fight? Are you going to fight the smaller ones you see every day? Fine. Keep fighting online. Keep fighting at work. Keep fighting at sporting events. Keep fighting with each other. Keep fighting those lesser battles. Fine. You can choose those battles if you want, or you can fight the battles that really engage or are supposed to engage. Are supposed to engage us. The ones that are all around us that we can't see but are very much real. You can choose the lesser battles, you can choose the lesser fights, or you can battle the one that's really after your life, the one that's prowling around like a lion looking to devour, the one that's filled with fury coming at you. You've got to make a choice. I think Paul's putting this out here. you've got to make a choice. You've got real battles that are underneath everything, or you've got the battles that you can see. But the ones that are unseen are the real battles that you need to choose to fight. That's the first choice you gotta make. And the second choice is which weapons are you gonna choose? Which weapons are you gonna choose to use? If you're gonna fight the lesser battles, then you got everything you need. Keep fighting with the things you got. Keep fighting with your computer, keep fighting with your phone, keep fighting with your hands, keep fighting with your words, keep fighting. Just keep fighting. You got it. You're gonna fight those lesser battles. Go for it. Or or you can engage in the real battle. And God has given us weapons that will give us the victory. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Not parts of it, not little pieces. Don't just choose which ones you like and don't like. Put on the full armor of God. So on the day the evil one comes, then you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to fight back and live in the real victory that Jesus came to give us. And so here are the weapons, and you've heard it before, but let's go back to what I said. Just because you hear something doesn't mean you really know something. Just because you think you know something doesn't mean you're living something. Just because you have the bumper sticker doesn't mean it's the authority in your life. So let's go back to the weapons That Paul says we have from God that give us victory. He says, says, put on the belt of truth. I think Paul's saying this because belts hold things together, right? And this is why I get so frustrated in a world that tries to tell me there's no actual truth. That your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And I go, well, in that case, if that's the case, then I feel like I'm going to fall apart. Like, things are just going to crumble if everybody's truth is just their truth. I think it's why John says in chapter 8, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a truth. There is a truth. It's a person. All truth is a person found in a person. And either Jesus is the center of all your truth, or he isn't. He isn't sometimes the truth and other times not. No, anything you allow to carry more weight than of the truth of Jesus only brings you more bondage, not more freedom. If you want to feel like you live in a prison, you want to feel the weight of life, then just keep man- meandering around in life, letting your truth be whatever you feel in the moment. Go for it. You want to feel Inst- unstable, you want to feel like you're in a prison of the moment, You want to f- then let yourself meander in a lot of truths. Or you can say, I know where the truth is, and the truth sets me free. See, I think life falls apart when we don't wear the truth of Jesus every day, consistently in every decision. And Paul says, that's not the only one. Then there's the breastplate of righteousness. Second Corinthians 5, It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, and the old is gone, and the new is here. And then verse 21, it continues, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once again, Paul understands what he wants us to understand. That we have a covering in life. And that is the death and resurrection of Jesus, which makes us... Right before God. This is the weapon we have. With this weapon, we can live without guilt of the past. We can live with confidence. He is our protector of the most vital things we have, including our heart. He's protecting us, He's he's covering us. We don't have to cover for ourselves, we don't have to become right by ourselves. John 3:17 just one verse past one of those famous ones. John 3:17 says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Can I tell you this morning God's not mad at you. Like God's not mad at you. I tell you all the time he's pursuing you. This is why the enemy hates you cuz God never stops pursuing you. He loves you, and He is where you can find your safety, He can find your security. He is our protector, and the one that covers us. He's that breastplate of righteousness that covers us. And the third thing He says is the shoes of, of peace, right? Soldiers, many times, when they're going into battle, they're going to be in rough terrain, they put spikes in the bottom of their feet, their shoes. You know what this is like, right? Like our athletes, they put spikes on the bottom of their shoes when it's going to be rainy, snowy, all that kind of stuff, right? And as the terrain gets harder to manage, the spikes get longer. Did you know that? Like with shoes, like before games, middle of games, sometimes uh, it's been raining out and players will go into the locker room at halftime, they change the spikes off, to their, uh, off their shoes to, so they get longer, so they can get more traction, When you wear the shoes that God fits us with, you have a confidence or a peace that you can accomplish and live in anything that comes your way. If you choose to live in His ways, step in His directions, you can be confident you have what you need to walk in peace every day because God has fitted you with that peace. Listen, you're in a battle. We've covered this. But you will not slip and fall. You can have peace that you have a depth of sureness underneath you. That's giving you everything you need to walk whatever you're walking in. Okay, the next one. Shield of faith. The shield of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We live by faith and not by sight. To be a follower of Jesus means we just live differently. I've said this casually sometimes. Like if you're not different than the way the rest of people live, then maybe you aren't a real follower of Jesus. Like, We just live differently. And honestly, it's kind of an odd way to live, isn't it? And maybe you wouldn't expect me to say this as the pastor, but if I didn't believe in Jesus... I would think Christians are totally nuts. You ever thought about this? If I didn't believe in Jesus, i think Christians are totally nuts. I get why people are confused and even sometimes mock us. But the reality is I do believe in Jesus. The reality is I do put my faith in Jesus with everything I am. And my faith and trust in Jesus may not be something I see. It may be unseen, but it's the shield that I carry with me every single day. My faith is what extinguishes those flaming arrows that Paul talks about that the enemy is sending my way to try and discourage me. Those flaming arrows of doubt. I know you felt it. You've never doubted. You've never wrestled with the reality of life. There's doubts, but my faith can extinguish those. I put a deep trust in, in the person of Jesus and why he came. The flaming arrows of fear, I know you felt them. You may be feeling them now. It's my faith that I, that I put in front and I let protect me against those flaming arrows. It's the, it's the flaming arrows of grudges. It's the flaming arrows of the hurts from the past that still hurt. It's the flaming arrows of the hurts of today. And you wonder, God, where are you in all of this? It's the shield of faith. It's my ultimate trust in Jesus, no matter what comes my way, that allows me to win the battles that I'm facing. I read the scriptures at the beginning on purpose. Because faith is something we just have to give ourselves to sometimes. And if you're looking for me to give you concrete answers and pictures on everything, I can't do that. There is an element of what we do as followers of Jesus that has to involve faith and trust. And it's a shield. It's something that protects us. I can move it. Wherever I need to move it, because there are flaming arrows coming at me different ways all the time, but I have my shield of faith that says, God, I trust you. I trust you. And there may be flaming arrows that are coming at you right now, and you just think, God, I trust you. I put my shield of faith up. I trust you. I'm angry right now, but I trust you. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I trust you. I've got some fears, but I trust you. I've got some doubts, but I trust you. Something may be happening in your life, and that that thing that you hold up to push back against the thing that's trying to destroy you is I trust you, God. And I'm going to protect myself with that shield. And then the fifth one is a helmet of salvation. When I think of the helmet of salvation, I think about how God wants to transform how we think in the mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Our minds are powerful and the enemy knows when we don't protect it, we are vulnerable. When we don't protect it, we'll get off track in life. You know what this feels like in life. This is when you wake up in the morning and things are negative. How hard is it to kick that? How hard is that to push to the side when our mind is thinking negative? Then to push that to the side. Sometimes a day, sometimes it dictates all of our decisions in that day. When our mind gets fixed on something, how hard is it to break it? But Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but renew your mind. I think God wants to save and deliver and guard our minds from lies and confusions and things that are gonna destroy us up here and renew this so we can live in his will for our life. We have to protect our minds, put on the helmet of salvation. Where are you letting your mind drift? Where are you letting your mind go? What are you letting take over your mind right now when it's like, no, I gotta protect this. Renew my mind, God. I'm gonna put on that helmet of salvation and protect myself. And then the last one, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12. For the Word of God is living and active. First of all, that's important. Pause for a second. Living and active, it's not dead. It's not past. It's, not, it's still relevant and active for today. Sharper than a, any double-edged sword. I think the reason God gives us a scripture is so we don't battle life with our own ideas. Our Bible is not just an ancient text but a message from God to us and for us. And when we carry the Word of God with us in the help of the Holy Spirit, we can cut through anything that's trying to speak to us or wrap itself around us. We can cut through it with His Word. We can meet every attack the enemy is bringing at us with His Word. That's why we've got to spend time in the Word every single day. Before something else surrounds you, you need to surround yourself with the the word. His words are the most important words in your life and will become your attack weapon. Listen, even when Jesus is being tempted, going through the battle in the wilderness, do you remember this? If not, go, go look, New Testament. You've got Jesus is battling the enemy, and what's his go to move? He speaks the truth of the word, and it cuts through the garbage of the enemy. This is where he finds his victory the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, we're in battles every day. Okay? I'm not going to lie to you. We're in a battle every day. I recognize this in my life. This was the truth for Paul. It's the truth for you. We know it. We feel it. You may be sitting in the middle of a battle right now in your life. You may have something that you feel like is too heavy, and it's just all-consuming, I don't know where you are. But the questions are going to be which battles are you really going to engage in? Which ones are going to be the most important battles in your life? And then which weapons are you going to choose to use? God has something more for us, and this is how I want to wrap it up today. I think many times we feel like we're losing in life because we approach life like it's a playground, not a battlefield. Hear me on this. We approach life like it's a playground, not a battlefield. What do you wear when you go to the playground? You got your running shoes, tennis shoes? You got your shorts? You got your t-shirt? Unless you're Pastor Scott, we got a tank top on, right? No. We go to have fun. We have fun with our kids. We have fun with our friends. We have. It's okay to do that if you go to the playground. But can I tell you this morning... And this is not to scare you, this is hopefully to bring freedom to your life, that life is not a playground, it's a battlefield. And if we approach life like it's a playground, we will not be dressed to, to defeat the things that are coming at us. And you got some things coming at you right now. you got some things coming at you right now. There are battles that you are facing in this moment. And the problem is you're not experiencing victory because you're dressed for a playground, not a battlefield. But if you put on the belt, truth, and you put on that breastplate of righteousness, and you put on those shoes of peace, and you put on that helmet of salvation, you grab the the shield of faith, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the, the Word of God, you put all this armor on. I don't care what battle you face today or tomorrow or next week, you will be equipped to fight any battle that comes your way. I think sometimes in life we feel like we're just surrounded, we're just covered, we're just wrapped, and we're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm telling you day, today, you know what to do. How you fight this battle is you put on the full armor of God because you don't fight yourself. You fight with someone that's for you that will never lose because he is greater than anything in this world. And you are more than conquerors because he's given you every weapon to fight that is against you. Embrace this. Absorb this. Wrap Yourself with the armor of God and you will not be defeated. If you try to fight these battles like you're in a playground, you will not be equipped. But if you fight these battles like you're on a battlefield, this fight's not a fair fight. This fight's not a fair fight. This is what we have in Jesus through death and resurrection and then empowering us with the Holy Spirit and the weapons that he gives us. This is not a fair fight. It's Deontay Wilder fighting Damon Reed, whatever his name is, fighting me. Come on. We're not fighting from a place for victory. We're already in the victory. We're already in the victory. So what battle do you have right now? What battle do you have right now? What are you carrying right now? And you've been trying to fight it in the wrong way. And today you'll say, God, I'm going to jump deep into this armor you're talking about. And all this week, maybe you'll just, you'll just begin to pray through this. You'll begin to think through this. You'll, begin to you'll jump into Ephesians 6 and say, God, I need to equip myself better. This is where freedom is found. After the surrender, what needs to happen, the battle's not done, it's only begun, but you are equipped for the battle. So can we pray right now? Bow your heads. You've got battles at home. Just stop for a minute. You've got some battles, yes? You've got some battles. You've got some things that are heavy right now. The prayer I want you to have right now is, God, equip me with the weapons to fight this battle. I will not fight on my own own. I'll stop viewing life as a playground and view it as a battlefield, because God, there's a battle I can't see, but I know it's real. And the enemy's agenda is to destroy me, but I've got a God who loves me so much that sent Jesus for me. And maybe there's someone here today, just pause for a second, maybe there's someone here today that you're not even in the fight because you haven't accepted Jesus. You have not accepted Jesus as your Savior. And so this whole idea of even battling, you're not even even giving your life and surrender to Jesus. And maybe maybe it's someone watching, maybe it's someone in this room, and you've just got to say, God, I know why I've been losing these battles because I've been fighting on my own and I want to give my life to you. Thank you for how you died for me and thank you how you rose from the grave and forgiven me for my sins and I want to give my life to you. Maybe there's someone in here, you have done that in your life, but you have walked away from, you have lost that relationship and it's not because of God, it's because you, you just didn't care about it. And maybe today you realize God is pursuing you and you want to give that life back to him so that you can begin to live in the covering he gives you in these battles. Just ask God to forgive you. Just ask God to forgive you and believe it is done in that moment. But for the rest of us, just because you've given your life to Jesus doesn't mean you don't have a fight. But today, can you be encouraged that the fight is not fair because of the one who you have? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for not only being for us, but giving us everything we need. It's your name we pray.